This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. Jonathan Dowdle, his evidence, and the trial of Jerry the Monkhutch. The Garda convoy sped through the Dublin streets yesterday morning. It was Tuesday the 13th of December and former Sinn Féin councillor Jonathan Dowdall was arriving for a second day of evidence in the trial of Jerry the Monkhutch. Without doubt, Jonathan Dowdall is the most high-profile state witness in gangland history because this is one of the biggest cases in gangland history. He's the state's equivalent of what is referred to in the Italian mafia trials as a pentito, uh, you know, as an informant who breaks the underworld's sacred code of omerta. So to those criminals he once associated with, um, he is now no better than a tout, a traitor, and they would perhaps call him dead man walking. We're midweek into the extraordinary trial of Jerry Hutch, and this week is like no other before it, as Jonathan Dowdle tells all. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and joining me today is Paul Williams, the Irish Independent Special Correspondent, who has been in the packed Court 17 of the Special Criminal Court all of this week. Paul, we've had two days of evidence from Jonathan Dowdell, starting with Monday. Can you uh, tell us exactly what was said? Well, what's been happening so far is that on Monday was the star witnesses appeared, and that is uh, the supergrass um, uh, Jonathan Dowdell. And he his evidence has been broken so far into two, and one is that yesterday and for half of today, he was giving his direct evidence. These are his allegations. So none of this evidence was challenged or has been proven yet. Uh, and this afternoon, on, on Tuesday, um, uh, Brendan Graham, the defence, has started to cross-examine uh, Jonathan Dowdell. It started just after lunch, um, and basically from the from the off, uh, Mr. Graham clearly uh, stated his position and let us that Mr. Dowdell know on no uncertain terms where he's coming from. He said, "By he says, Mr. Uh, Dowdell, I want to be clear from the very start. My position is that you lied to this court, and there are two big lies. One of the big lies is, which again is one of his central uh, allegations, is that Jerry Hutch, the accused man, collected." A, a, a hotel key card for the Regency Hotel, which was used by one of the, the assassins, um, flat cap Kevin Murray, 
uh, in 2016 that he collected that key, that card, which had been uh, booked and paid for by uh, Jonathan Dowdle's father at the behest of Patsy Hutch, who is Jerry Hutch's brother. The other lie, he says, is that uh, Jerry Hutch ever confessed to being involved in any way in the Regency Hotel attack. What we heard yesterday, to put that in context, is that um, he said that just after, a couple of days after the Regency Hotel attack, he got a call from Hutch uh, and they met in a little park in Whitehall. Uh, himself and Jonathan Dowdle, he said he'd never seen Jerry Hutch in such a panic before. Anyone who knows Jerry Hutch is that, that he's an exceptionally cool character. Um, and that he basically was very upset and he disc- uh, 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 and, and he admitted, allegedly admitted to Dowdle that he was one of the shooters, that he was very upset about the murder of um, the young fella, David Byrne. Um, and he, he, basically what he said was, he told me it was them in the hotel. He told me it was him, as in Jerry Hutch, and them at the hotel. It wasn't what he said. It was how he was saying it. He said it was them at the hotel, and he said he wasn't happy about shooting the young lad, David Byrne, which is a devastating piece of of, of an allegation, of course, uh, and which, of course, hasn't been proved. He also uh, alleges that, Jerry Hutch met him uh, before the uh, attack and collected that key card. So he's very firmly put Jared Hutch right in the middle of all of this. The second part of his direct evidence concerns some of the, the, the these famous tapes that we heard in the in the past few weeks, which went on for about ten hours, and these are secretly recorded conversation planted on. Garda eavesdropping devices that were planted in Dowdle's car and were recorded on the seventh of March. <clears throat> 2016, when Dowdall went for a second time with Hutch to Northern Ireland to try, try and convince the real IRA to, to become involved in trying to broker some kind of peace between themselves and the Kinnans. Uh, which, of course, time has told us that <laughs> it wasn't very successful because something like 13 people died after this inter- so, uh, so-called intervention. And the deal was they were going to do a quid pro quo whereby he alleges again that the three yokes, which are being referred to quite a lot in the tapes, are three AK-47s were used by three members of the hit team who stormed the Regency Hotel building and killed David Byrne, and they were dressed as ERU men, that they were giving these three AK-47s assault rifles to the real IRA in Northern Ireland in return for their intervention. So that's where we were up to them. And that's the thing, Paul. Um, we've done previous podcasts on those particular recordings heard uh, in the court case, which has gone on for like 30 odd days at this stage. Um, and Yokes was repeatedly used during that conversation between Dowdall and Hutch in the car heading up to the north. And, and of course, the, you have to remember as well that these conversations were crucial to all of these conversations did lead to the interception of those three weapons. And I remember the real IRA, uh, continuity IRA, or the new IRA, whichever IRA you want yourself. <laughs> there are so many different IRAs now at this stage um, that th- this guy was arrested, uh, Shane Rowan, bringing them back to Northern Ireland or bringing him up to Northern Ireland at the time. And it was these conversations that teed all of that up. And these were the weapons uh, that were used. So what Dowdell is doing is attempting to basically connect directly Jerry Hutch with uh, the weapons. Um, 
one of the interesting things about this is Brendan Graham is like Brendan Graham is a very very capable and very very experienced senior counsel and you know he's standing there and he's getting laughs out of the uh, I was going to say audience from the the people the public the, you know the public in queue and every day to get in and uh, in the way he's challenging um Dowdle, and he is challenging him as as robustly and as heavily as we assume that he would. Uh, and basically, his whole line is that you know when Jonathan Dowdle, this is his argument on Tuesday afternoon, that when he there is no proof uh, against him, when there is no evidence against him, uh, where there is no tape against him, uh, recording his voice and recording him saying something incriminating, he doesn't know anything. Uh, so he's really going after, and he's going about it in a systemic, slow, gradual pace, which I think will, I would nearly predict, will continue for several days more. And the whole thing is that he's going to, he's trying to discredit Jonathan Dowdall's in, 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 uh, evidence and his allegation and basically portray him as a professional liar. There's an awful lot of, of detail in all of this. And of course, during cross-examination yesterday on Tuesday, Paul, uh, there were various things that came up, not least um, the issue concerning uh, waterboarding and Alex Hurley. Um, and Jonathan Dowdle actually served time for that particular issue. But he really was dragged over the coals now by um, Jerry Hutch's barrister yesterday because he was trying to make the point, I guess, if you've lied once, you could potentially lie again. And he did. And you know what? He really did, I think, land a few very serious blows on Jonathan Dowdall by bringing that up. He said, when did you learn how to waterboard people? You know, um, that was, you know, uh, like how does he explain? And you get this from Dowdall. Uh, and we luckily we can have this kind of discussion because of, of the nature of the special criminal court and, the, and, the, and this particular type of trial. But, you know, it, you very, very clearly see that Dowdle, you know, to the average casual observer there today is that he's trying every chance he get, gets to justify himself, to explain away things. He says he was ashamed of it, but at the same time, he comes back with stuff like, well, he said this and he said that. He's actually also, by the way, exceptionally irritating witness to listen to because he's he's got a really thick Dublin brogue and I've absolutely no problem with Dublin brogue whatsoever. I love the Dublin uh, accent, but he is very, very inarticulate. And you're straining to hear him and the way he expresses himself can sometimes just be quite frustrating to try and listen to. That's an interesting point, Paul. Give me a little bit of an idea or paint the scene within the courtroom for us, because this is this is a jam-packed court, as you have pointed out. People really, really want to come in and see this because it almost feels like it's something out of, a, a, you know, a, a Goodfellas or a mafia style movie that you have, you know, one of the biggest gangland trials uh, going on right under our noses. Well, I said in the Irish Independent the other day that, you know, this is the gangland trial of the century. Uh, and I think we in the Irish Independent coined that phrase. Uh, if we didn't, I apologise to whoever did, but I think we did. And I said it's not hyperbolic to uh, to describe it as such because the attack on the Region Hotel in February 2016 was the highest profile crime this country had ever witnessed since, and the last crime that shocked this country was the murder of our colleague Veronica Gearn in June of 1996, 20 years earlier. Um, on top of that, it sparked the bloodiest feud 
that we have seen in the 50 years of the phenomenon of organized crime in this country, which is, again, a very, very, uh, you know, important and noteworthy uh, 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 fact. And Jonathan Dowdall um, is testifying against a man who is considered to be probably the most infamous, uh, most enigmatic, most notorious, uh, certainly the best known uh, criminal figure in Ireland. So for all of those reasons, that's why we see such large queues. Like this week was incredible because of the so far because we've a, a, an Arctic, Baltic weather out there and people, this massive queue of people. And at one stage the other morning, I didn't see this, but I saw it reported by some of our colleagues and some of the other newspapers that there had been almost like a bit, the guards had to push members of the public back so that the journalists could get in to start covering the thing. Like, you know, we, we were talking as well about other high profile trials, but this is the most high profile. Okay, I would say that because I'm a crime journalist all my life, but the, the, the only other two cases that come to mind that attracted so much public attention and so much interest, intense interest, was the Graham Dwyer trial and also the Mr. Moonlight uh, case. Uh, but at the same time, this is in a league of its own. And it, because of all, for those reasons that you pointed out, Siobhan, it is a, an extraordinary case. Uh, like you have Hutch sitting there um Again, I always describe him as inscrutable, uh, and I've been writing about him for a long, long time, 30 years, and he's sitting there um, looking very nonplussed with his head on his hands, but he actually moved, and and this is, his barrister, um, his senior counsel, Brenda Graham, made, informed the court of this, that he wanted to move so he could see um, Jonathan Dowdall. Now, Jonathan Dowdall, for his part, um, again, the Special Criminal Court, uh, it's the same court structure as any other courtroom. Uh, he was brought in under a, amongst the phalanx of our, uh, prison officers and specialist armed officers from the Emergency Response Unit, and about seven of them. And he was brought through the, the side of the courtroom normally reserved for the jury, and it's the jury stand. And he is giving his evidence from the foreman of the jury, the chair that the, the, the foreman the jury sits in. Uh, but he's sitting looking up. He's very, he looks very stressed. He's very, very red in the face. He's got big bags under his eyes. He doesn't look the youthful kind of face that you see uh, from all the Sinn Féin publicity material uh, that, that they're the pictures that we everyone's been using of him. He doesn't look as, as well as that. But he sits looking at the judges. He doesn't even look at the, he didn't look at the at the, the prosecution uh, the barrister or certainly not the defence. And he's studiously avoiding Jerry Hutch, but Jerry Hutch is sitting with his head on his hands, just looking straight across at him, and he's staring at him. But he's not staring in a way that you can detect, because that's Jerry Jerry right, Jerry yeah. Hutch. He, he's, as I said, the word inscrutable comes always comes to mind to describe him. He's just looking there, uh, and he smiles every now and again because it was one. There was a few funny interactions, like for example, there was part of the CCTV of uh, the surveillance showed um, uh, Dowdle and Hutch going to um, the north on the first first occasion. And he's seen going with a bag into this house. And Grant said to him to see, on Tuesday afternoon, he said, you know, you went all the way up there. What was in the bag? Kind of, He was basically implying that he was the guy who was moving AK-47s or guns or whatever. And he said, he jo he actually just flippantly said, were well, we, we going to fix a light or something? Because he's an electrician. And he said, I did. And like there was this moment when everybody was looking and said, hang on a minute. He says, you drove all the way from 
up to Donegal. This was a, he was at a meeting in Donegal at a house in Donegal. You drove all the way from Dublin with Mister Hutch in the car to change a plug for somebody, and he said, "No, I changed a socket on this house, a television socket, and it wasn't working right." Uh, and it was just one of those kind of moments where there was a bit of a giggle. And in an awful lot of ways, the best way to describe it, I was talking to our news editor to, to, the, the afternoon, and he said, I said to him, he said, what's it like? And I said, it's, think of a cat playing with a mouse. And you get this as well, where Dowdall is going to great lengths to answer everything, and but also great lengths to excuse himself, um, you know, to say... I'm not the bad person you think I am. The only reason he says, by the way, he was involved in all of this was to try and save lives, that he was asked, he was asked to help. He claims he didn't know anything before or after until Jerry Hutch confessed to him and all of that kind of stuff. So that's where we are at the moment. And there was another interesting point from yesterday where Dowdle told the court that, you know, in his opinion, the Kinnahans didn't start any feud. That's correct. And, uh, you know, and actually I, that would be, a, when you look back at the the, tra- the, the origins of this, this feud, they're actually right, perhaps. But one of the things he said was, and this is what he claims he was told, is that um, the uh, uh, Kinnahans accused Gary Hutch, this all centres around the murder of Gary Hutch in back in 2015, uh, Jerry Hutch's nephew, Patrick Hutch's son. And that he, they didn't trust him because they thought he was a tout and informant. Um, he then said he didn't realise that the Patrick Hutch, Gary Hutch's brother, and Patrick Hutch, this Patrick Hutch is Patrick Hutch Jr. He has stood trial in 2019 and his case was dropped, it collapsed uh, in 2019. But what he's claiming in this is that that Patrick Hutch went over to Spain and tried to shoot uh, Daniel Kinahan at his home, which is a well-known fact. But then in the end, it, it, instead they shot an innocent guy called Jamie Moore, who was a boxer, happened to be staying in, in Daniel Kinahan's house. And that as a result of that, they held him hostage. And then um, Patrick Hutch, back in Dublin, had to present himself in Drumcondra to be sh- for a punishment shooting to be shot in the leg. Um, uh, uh, this was part of a deal. €200,000 compensation. Patrick Hutch, who did the shooting, had to present himself voluntarily at a, in Drumcondra and uh, to be shot. Uh, for, in punishment, he was brought there by a relative. Now, the Dowdle went through all of this. So basically he's saying, and that is the, that is certainly the factual situation that we know of in this particular case and how it started. But he's sort of implying that, or he's saying that, you know, he thought it was an innocent family being wiped out. But what he's implying here now is that, well, you know, the Hutches may have themselves to blame as well. He's not saying that uh, very openly, but that's the imputation. So here we are now, Paul, Wednesday morning. Uh, can we expect more from Dowdle today or where do you think this would, this? how will this play out for oh, the this, rest of the week? This is going to play out, you know, it could be very conceivable that the court is going to adjourn for Christmas next Wednesday. It's very conceivable that he could be in the box right up to Wednesday because, you know, you just see that, uh, like, but it, and the reason that's not, you don't need to have a... a, a, a uh, sort of a psychic ability is that you know this a huge amount plays on this like Jerry Hutch's liberty he's nearly 60 now he's 60 and like his liberty uh, is in the balance so 
he is going, his lawyers are going to fight tooth and nail. And like so-called supergrass trials where you have a participating member of a gang. Remember, he was originally charged with murder. He did a deal um, with the state uh, and he is given uh, evidence. So the, the whole basis and the whole uh, purpose of what's happening now is to completely and utterly discredit Jonathan Dowdall so that the court basically doesn't believe anything he says and that they will basically acquit uh, Gerard Hutch. So that's why what's going to happen over this, this now is the most crucial part of this trial. And this is the ninth week of it, Siobhan. And this trial, I would pr predict, when the court adjourns and comes back in January, that you will be seeing another few weeks, I'd say, anyway, of evidence. And then you would see the, courts, the court perhaps retiring uh, You'd, be very, you'd nearly be assumed that they will retire and probably go out for a couple of weeks before they come back with their verdict because anyone who has ever read a judgment from the Special Criminal Court of the most axiomatic, detailed documents you will ever read, uh, like they, 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 they rationalize and study every minute detail and they reason through everything in a way that a jury would never do. Um, so, and that's why there's so very, very few appeals. Uh, I, I don't know of any successful appeals from the Special Criminal Court in, in, in 20 years at least. The bottom line here is that this Christmas is going to be very lonely and very pensive and very uh, stressful for two men. One in the Midlands in a prison cell, that's Jonathan Dowdle. This is his last Christmas. He will be in Ireland. The other one is Jared Hutch, who's looking into the future and wondering what the future holds for him. My thanks to Paul Williams, special correspondent at the Irish Independent, for joining me today. And you can follow even more coverage of this trial on independent.ie. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by John Smith. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review.